Nick, welcome to the podcast, man. Great to have you here. Thanks a lot for having me. Maybe you could get started by just giving us a quick overview of what you're building with Trumpet. Yeah, so Trumpet is uh, my second startup. And we wanted to sort of disrupt the the buyer journey, the sales cycle um, from my previous business at Design My Night. Um, we had quite a big sales and customer success team. And I was looking back at how we did, did processes there. And obviously in sales, you've got, you know, outreach tools on the one hand to find out who to contact and how to message them on LinkedIn and stuff. And then the other side, you've got your CRM. But to actually get the deal done, it takes like 50 to 80 emails. It's a pain. You're sending videos and documents and use cases and it's just a mess so with trumpet the the concept was to allow sales people um, to spin up microsites we call them pods in seconds so they look personalized to your customer you don't need any design skills um, and then you have like a centralized microsite that you can take the buyer on with you throughout your journey and you can keep adding pages and documents and use cases and video and the idea is to centralize your whole buyer journey and um, we've now moved into onboarding as well so we've got customer success teams that are now spinning up onboarding pods for uh, their customers um, where they're dropping in training videos and schedules of calls and um, you know demos and this is the team that you're going to be working with from our side and so just a really nice collaborative personalized space to get the deal done and then to look after the customer too. Do you have like a, a data point or an anecdote or like what, what's the best kind of you know one example pitch like I was watching the video on your homepage and it was like you know Something like 6% of PDFs opened and uh, with Trumpet, the, the open rate on pods is 76%, I think. Like that, that's, is there other examples of like, if any founders are listening, they should be Trumpet customers. Like what's the, what's the most, you know, incredible kind of example that would make them sit up and say, wow, I really, I really uh, need this. I think our whole, you know, as well as just making your whole sales process a lot more efficient and um, personalized, um, we just, we're helping our customers get deals done quicker. And that's sort of our motto. So we've got an incredible open rate on our pod. So that helps you with sort of your personalized outreach and uh, tracking your engagement throughout the buyer journey. Why is that so much higher, by the way? Why is the open rate so much higher? Is it like, we built this personalized thing for you and then the buyer's like, ooh, I wonder what it looks like. And uh, when you send a pod, it shows the personalized header to their customer with their name in. Um, so look, outreach is one thing because we can't be in charge of outreach. You know, who knows how you're outreaching and who you're outreaching to. Like we're not right. a magic pill. But what we have then found is buyers are a lot more engaged once they've opened that pod. So the engagement throughout your whole buyer journey is staggeringly high. But the other great stat for us is on average, looking at our data, um, sales cycles are coming down by about 40%. So deals are getting done 40% quicker on enterprise deals for our customers. So that is one of our like North Star metrics. Can we help our customers get more yeah. revenue quicker, especially in today's market? So if we keep yeah. nailing that, it, Trumpet becomes a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, if you can accelerate cycle times by 40%, that, that's amazing. What, what are the biggest 
biggest what are the biggest kind of product features uh, or, or kind of aspects of Trumpet that are helping shorten that cycle time? So we integrate with God, over like 40 tools now. So any sales tool you use, whether it's like Loom or Vidyard for videos, whether it's Typeform for questions, whether it's Gong for data, whether it's Zoom for demo recordings, whether it's Arcade for uh, personalized product demos, you can just within 10 seconds drop that all in your pod. So you've suddenly got this space filled with demos and video content. We've got a voice note widget, which so just drop dropping in our voice note widget, um, we found and doing a personalized voice note at the start of your pod, increase engagement by 15%. So it's something that again, takes someone 10 seconds to do in our product, but again, is just making it more engaging. Um, so all of that is, is super exciting for us. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned um, since you uh, launched Trumpet? And maybe kind of you came into it thinking, you know, this, and then through the journey, you've learned, oh, well, actually, we were wrong about that. We need to do this. Yeah, I think the two things. So one thing I would do differently from the start was we we um, built an incredible wait list, but we we had like over two thousand people on the wait list, and we managed to raise our pre seed from a VC because of that. Based on the wait list, hmm. you know, we didn't have the product ready by the time we raised our pre seed. So obviously they looked at our figma of the product, but we were like, look, we've got this engaged audience ready to go. But then we left them too long on the wait list. So actually when it came to then onboarding... How, how long was too long? I think we had our wait list open in the end for like three months. Mm-hmm. And we were keeping them engaged and we were emailing them and we were showing sneak peeks of the product and we were educating them. So we were telling them about cool sales podcasts and medium articles and stuff. But, you know, I think people just lose interest. People don't care about your product as much as you do, really. Um, so we knew what we were building was super cool. But when people saw some hype about us, signed up, then three months later, invariably, they move on to something else. So the, mm. the uptake when we actually then opened the gates was probably lower than we would have hoped and it might have been it lower than it might have been if you'd had the wait list for a month let's exactly say. so you know the lesson there for us was you know start it closer to the time of launch and have less people on the wait list but then have a more engaged wait list for, for when you open up the product and the other thing was what i talked about is outreach so the obvious hook for us with our customers is why the hell are you sending pdf still send a personalized pod you know what a yeah. much better experience for a customer to open open a personalized pod than a PDF. But as I said, outreach as its only use case is so variable on the salesperson. You know, if you're a terrible SDR that that writes terrible cold outreach emails, that's messaging the totally wrong person and only maybe messages them once, not different touch points that you need to do on cold outreach, Trumpet's not going to cure that. But what we do do is if you've emailed the right person with a great approach. If they then open that pod, they'll be wowed. Um, So we've definitely shifted our use cases further down the buyer journey from a marketing point of view around maybe post-demo. So once you've had that first interaction, you follow up with a personalized pod with all the information you need in it. That's been a killer use case. And then, as I said, we've gone into onboarding as well. Um, So yeah, we've seen that change as we've seen people use the product. That's interesting. I got to double click on something you just said, you know, cold emails, like sending, sending terrible or great cold emails. This would be an incredible secret. 
to share with the Founder Secrets audience, what is the what is the key to writing an incredible cold email? For me, it's personalization. So you, I think nowadays, you know, there's so many sequences set up in, you know, HubSpot and all the other tools you can do to write sequences. There's so many tricks that salespeople think they're selling and being witty. Um, but actually, people have, have wised up to that now. You know, certain certain subject lines they think they're being witty to get an open but I can smell those a mile off now and don't even open them a lot of the time so for me it's it's not about spray and pray you know great outreach is about finding you know your kill list so who is my kill list this week that I have to get a meeting with for my AEs and spending the time whether you could use chat GPT now um, you can use other tools like outreach you can obviously LinkedIn find the right people find the gatekeepers and spend 10 minutes looking at them. What have they been posting about? What uh, interests them? And for me, when I open a genuine email that I feel like that tool will genuinely help me and they've gone to look that that tool will help me, the stage we're at at Trumpet, oh, I saw you talk about this, this and this on your LinkedIn. That will always get my attention. Short and sweet, you know, drop the pod in straight away. Don't ask if you want to see a pod or a deck or whatever. And it's the same as investment, like I'm an angel investor as well. And I say the same thing to founders, like don't just try and strike up a random conversation with a founder. You want to show them your deck and they want to see the deck. So don't just be like, hey, and expect a response. Just be like, hi, I'm reaching out to you because X, Y, Z. I think we're a great company because of these three things. Here's my deck. Would love to hear from you. Um, So succinctness, personalization, do your research on who you're sending it to, rather than just finding 100 email addresses, writing a few variables in your HubSpot sequence, and just spraying out 100 emails. Guarantee get a lot more opens with the personalization. How do you think about... A B testing or, you know, I, I'm guessing it's kind of maybe harder to do that. If, if you're going for a real volume game, right? And you're sending thousands through automated sequences, then maybe there's more upside from A B testing. But if you're spending, you know, 10, 20 minutes on crafting a very personalized email, then it's maybe harder to, to learn lessons about, you know, which copy is working or which subject is working because the sample size is just so small. Yeah, I I think there is still nuance you can learn on, you know, like the the subject um, header, um, the length of your emails, um, the the type of personalization that you use. You know, are you finding a podcast that they've been on or an article they've written that maybe has nothing to do with what you're selling, but it just shows you followed them and you're interested in what they've been doing versus... Yeah, personalization that is more just about who they are as a person. You know, I don't, I haven't got the answers to what works better on that. So I, I think that's where you could test. But with outreach, it's so variable. Like if you get the right person at the right time on the right day, they might open it. So, you know, I don't think that there is no perfect science with outreach. How many, how big is your sales team at Trumpet? And how, how is that structured? SDRs, AEs? So we so we only launched in June July 2022 so we're relatively new uh, our team is 16 across the board including uh, us founders there's three of us 
So interesting news, Trumpet, um, we have obviously product-led growth on the one side. So we've got a product-led growth motion where that's our marketing funnel. So myself, who, who, who has done marketing in the past, and we've got a marketing lead, Charlotte, who's brilliant. We work together on obviously our funnel to get people onto the site, sign up. You can sign up for free. You get 20 free pods, no credit card required. So that's obviously the product-led growth motion. And then the sales aspect of that is keeping an eye from a data point of view of who has signed up. Um, how are they using it? We have analytics. We use analytics external and internal and intercom. So, you know, from the product-led side where we've got over, you know, thousands of users on Trumpet now, you know, are they using it? How often are they logging in? How many pods have they sent out? How engaged are those pods? And then you can start to get a flavor of maybe who you reach out to from a a sales point of view, just to nudge them over to paid. Um, So that's the one side. And then the other side is it actually came earlier for us than we thought, the enterprise deals. So, you know, we've got the likes of Amex and Sky that use us. So we've hired two um, AEs as well as myself and one of our co-founders, Rory. So there's all four of us doing the AE role. Um, No SDRs at this stage. So we're sort of full cycle AEs. Um, But obviously using Trumpet ourselves makes it a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. ABC. Use your product. Sell your product, actually. Yeah, for sure. We have eaten our own dog food at WeFunder and run a community around ourselves to let thousands of our founders and investors invest in us. So you you got to eat your own dog food, as they say, right? How do you, you mentioned uh, enterprise customers there. Um, and, and it sounds like maybe they kind of, you know, fell into your lap, which is nice. Sky and Amex, really big, big names. Like, how do you think about kind of, I, I presume then you've been more focused on SMB sector of kind of smaller uh target customers to this point how, how do you know like when is the right time to you know expand into uh mid-market or enterprise larger customers i think i think you have to be set up for it and i think you have to you know obviously we're second time founders so we have that experience there in a design my night as well as selling to smaller bars and restaurants we were selling to huge pub chains and restaurant chains so we had that experience, luckily, on the know-how on how to handle an enterprise customer. It's obviously a much longer deal cycle. There's, there's multi-threading, there's multi-stakeholders. Um, you need to probably find your champion, but make sure they're the right champion. And then there's security, there's data protection. Um, and then on top of that, uh, there's account management and customer success. So while Sky and Amex and some others did actually just start using the product, and then we reached out to them so we didn't sort of go to them first because we hired quite quickly so a team of 16 you know after you know 10 months let's say eight eight months we were sort of ready and we actually spent nine months building the product before we came out of beta so sorry before we opened um to our waitlist users so most people that see trumpet um from an investor point of view and a user point of view more importantly uh, have have said to us on multiple times this feels like a series a b product already so you know it's it's properly built it's not no code internally it's not strung together you know by bits of tape 
So it's built on very solid foundations. Um, we spend a lot of time on that, not just pushing out the new shiny objects. And we hope when people see it, the the usability, the experience, um, the intuitiveness of it um, feels like a much more mature product. And I think you've got to be there before you start selling your bigger enterprise customers because you're just going to let them down otherwise. But is there not like a, a risk? Are you, are you finding this challenge with, with such a small team? You know, if you're, okay, if you have a tight uh, customer set, segment that is you know earlier stage companies smaller companies you know then uh you can kind of move more quickly because you're building the product for those uh customers you you'll kind of go to market strategies and focus on those customers now if you're trying to also accommodate product features for amex and sky and figure out you know how are we selling to those enterprise customers there's a dilution of focus like i guess what what's like When's the right time to, you know, kind of, I guess, yeah, dilute your focus and go go broader? And, and how do you know you're not doing that too soon and risking kind of spreading yourself too thin, you know? Yeah, I think two things. I think, look, you can do both, right? I think as long, you know, our, our dev team is six. It's not monstrously huge, but again, relatively big for a, an early stage company. Um, I think what you do find is as long as internally you're focused on pushing out the right features beyond stuff like security and ISO and GDPR and all of that, which you should probably yeah. get your ducks in a row anyway. And there's anyway, lots of products yeah. there to help you with that. So, you know, it's, it is a lot quicker and easier now. Um, those, those features are going to work for the smaller customer exactly. segment and the larger customer segment. And the yeah. stuff the enterprise have been telling us um, are, you know, really good ideas. It's not stuff just for enterprise. Um, and look, you've got to be honest, right? So, you know, yes, we've signed up big customers, but we haven't been BSing them. Like they know we're still early stage. You know, yes, we're well funded and, you know, we're not just suddenly going to collapse Touchwood, but they know we're still early stage. So they know we're moving very quickly. They know we've got our own roadmap. So for me, the dilution doesn't come in the product. It actually comes in the marketing. So actually marketing message where you're like okay well outwardly are we going after smbs or enterprise and i think that's the fine line you've got to tread versus actual just cool core features in the product yeah you uh you talked uh just now about kind of targeting enterprise customers you, you talked about finding your champion finding the right champion curious about yeah any kind of tips or hacks or you know mistakes you've made maybe at design by night maybe um at trumpet as well or, you know, advice for founders, like as they go after enterprise customers? Yeah, so obviously, we, we call it bottom up. So if you go and find a champion in a big company, you're looking for a more low level employee rather than going in. So from our point of view, you know, the top dogs are your CROs, uh, your director of sales, etc. So actually, it's getting in on the ground and finding some SDRs, um, finding some account execs, you obviously are giving them the tool for free at that stage. But I think the the mistake that, that we have made, especially at Design My Night um, and, and with some customers at Trumpet, is you might be so excited that you've, you, you're in, but actually, even if you have a champion at a lower level, bottom up, that loves it, the deal is still a long way away. So you've almost got to coach the champion mm. on what they need mm. to do sometimes. So sometimes, you know, the champion, yes, might know who they need to sell upwards to, but won't know what that involves. Won't mm. know that there's obviously all security and data questionnaires to go through, budget restrictions. Uh, they just won't have that visibility. So you have to coach them, which again, we do within our pods. 
as you're taking them through the journey. So, okay, you forget all of that to start with. You just get going, get them loving the product. And then it's a case maybe like two or three weeks in once they're seeing results and hopefully liking it, starting to tell them what we need to do next to move it up the ladder. And, it, you know, the, the communication is all around, I want to give you this product. It's working for you. But for you to have this, because I need to turn it off in a month, you can't have it for free forever. We need to start working up the chain together. That's, that's so, really cool. And and that's like, you're kind of helping that champion, that kind of, you know, more junior champion who you've built this relationship with. You're helping them almost like see how enterprise sales works and kind of helping them kind of with professional development in terms of managing their own internal organ dynamics and politics. Um, but then also, obviously, it's like if they if Trump is going to add a ton of value for their uh, organization, if they can be the one that made that happen and, and brought it in, then that's that looks great for them. And their, their boss and their boss's boss is going to be stoked. So wait, who, who brought Trump in? Like, give, give that guy a raise. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, the flip that some people will do and I have done for sure in the past is you're, you're so excited that they're just using it and loving it. You just carry on that relationship, but you're not moving it anywhere. And then mm, yeah. they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I need to get this in front of my sales manager. And, you know, there could be four layers above your sales manager to get sign off. So, yeah, as I said, you're sort of mapping out the progress um, with them. Yeah, it's really interesting. What, whether it uh, Designed by Night or Trumpet or Pitch Deck as well, actually, your your podcast or anything else you've done, what, what are kind of a couple of your most awesome uh, growth hacks that you, you can share with folks? Yeah, I think... You know, what we've done well at, at those those businesses are, are, aren't sort of groundbreaking. Um, so DMN grew very quickly through content marketing. So this was back in 2010 when content marketing wasn't a buzzword and content marketeers weren't a job. Um, but we went full throttle on SEO. My, my biggest hack on SEO that worked really well for us is go for the low-hanging fruit. So for example, Design My Night, you would think if you were inexperienced, okay, we need to go and win London bars, for example. But actually, if you look at best basement bars in Clapham um, or best basement bars in the West End and start to build up just a ton of content around smaller search terms and win those search terms and become number mm -hmm. one, you then start to build a very big web of being number one. Not only does that give you traffic cumulatively, um, mm -hmm. especially for a new business, you know, a thousand searches a month, if you can become number number one and get 90% of those searches is good. Yeah. Um, Google then starts to rank you higher. They're like, oh, hang on, we're ranking this site higher for all of these search terms, mm. you know, and then when it comes to London bars, you'll eventually get there without having to just put all of your eggs in that basket. Kind, so, kind of a similar principle to, to Peter Thiel and Zero to One, right? Um, start, start with Facebook in Harvard and saturate that and then go to other Ivy League schools and keep, keep things kind of super tight early on, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and use, you know, this, you know the, the, the Google keyword search tool. Um, you know, there's so many tools out there that you can find who, what your keywords are, how the probability of being able to get to number one, so the competitive, competitiveness of those keywords. So, so we did that really well uh, for DMN. Uh, and actually, when we sold Design My Night, we were getting 8 million uniques a month. One in six, I think it is. Londoners were using it every month. And 65% of that was organic Google. So didn't wow. pay 
for 65% of that traffic. So that worked really well for us. I've um, never used it. I've been I've been out of the UK for I don't know 15 years. But yeah, next next time next. I'm back in uh, London, DMN is is gonna help me out. It will be hopefully it will be number one for whatever you Google as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So so okay, so let so kind of growth hack or you know tip number one that really worked for for you at Design My Night. Um, you know, kind of start with a very small kind of radius and kind of saturate penetrate that. Any others? Um, From a a trumpet point of view, um, we worked really hard on our... So we we thought, where are our customers going to be? So for us, sales, CS, LinkedIn um, might not be the sexiest uh, social media out there, but that's where our customers hang out. Um, So we spent a lot of time, especially Rory and myself, um, building up our personal brands. As an exited founder, it makes it easier. So I could talk about, you know, my journey with DMA, um, but consistency in putting out useful content that genuinely yeah. helps people. Um, yeah, I love that. Not like sappy stuff. Uh, I don't. I hate all of that. You know. And yes, it, all the sappy crap get lots of engagement. But it's well, not you're the- you're English, so of course you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, America is different. Over on this um, side of the pond, we love it. Here in Tennessee, we love the sappy stuff. <laughs> you know, I'd rather have two hundred people when I'm talking about buyer enablement engaged and a thousand people with a picture of a dog because those are the people that you really want so it's about consistent content that educates people and helps people not about trumpet and we both built up a really good audience so by the time we came to launch we got most of our wait list from LinkedIn and today LinkedIn is still our biggest free marketing funnel for us so and that costs you nothing um so you know what are you interested in to write about it um, uh, yeah, your your time, I guess. But uh, on, I mean, on that note, to get super tangible, like when you say consistent, what is the cadence? Is that daily? Is it twice a week? And then how much time are you dedicated? Is it like, hey, block off 30 minutes in your calendar to write a post twice a week? Or is it, you know, more kind of sporadic and off the cuff? Yeah. No, I'm lucky. So I'm a language student at heart. So I did languages at university. Um, that's how my brain thinks. Um, I'm languages. I'm creative. Terrible at like maths and sciences. So for me to like bash out a really engaging, quick post, I can do without thinking. Um, so it really is on the day. Like, oh, okay. What, what, what can I talk about? Okay, I'll do something around that, and then let's just get that out there. Um, obviously, now we've got Charlotte at Trumpet, who's our marketing lead, adds some structure to what I'm posting when I'm talking about Trumpet, but still, then obviously, I'm still freewheeling uh, on all the other stuff. So I don't dedicate that much time to it in terms of cadence. I would recommend for LinkedIn, you're posting at least four times a week. The obvious times, like people going to work so 7 30 to 8 to 8 lunchtime 12 30 to 1 and if you're interested in the american audience obviously you should be posting in the evening in the uk um to then get the american audience so that's what i'd recommend love it nick i feel like we could uh talk all all day or at least i could but uh we're over time so we'll let you go thanks so much for doing this um tons of really awesome uh insights and hacks and learnings in here so really appreciate it man thanks a lot for having me on Come